presence, a power, and an anointing, and a peace in, in his word tonight. And uh, I want us to take a few minutes tonight, and I want us to talk about the anointing of God. Now, obviously around here, we talk a lot about the anointing. We talk a lot about his power. We talk a lot about the strength of God and the anointing of God. Uh, and we talk a lot about, and as I talked this morning, we talk about anointing being our call. We talk about anointing going with us. We, uh, this time of year, we begin to think about anointing as in being anointed with oil. And we, we, we hearken back to years gone by where the last two or three years where we've anointed people with lots of oil. And, um, and, and tonight I want to take just a few moments and I want to just talk about anointing as I was at camp meeting this week, I, I experienced, uh, some wonderful teaching and preaching and, uh, uh, I, I was thoroughly blessed, uh, with every service, but on Thursday morning, pastor Joe Dobbins of the twin rivers church, uh, preached to us. And he preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. Now, Pastor Dobbins is not like me. Uh, Pastor Dobbins is a is, is much more of a reserved speaker. He is a great uh, um, communicator. He's not going to jump up and down and hoot and holler very much. He he did raise his voice a little bit Thursday morning, which I was like, "Whoa, Pastor Joe, getting loud," you know. But but he he's not like me, and he's not going to get up and just get all excited about the. I mean, that's just not his personality. But he tells you something, and. Thursday morning, he told us something, and I, I'm not going to come anywhere near his message, but but he preached about unresolved uh, hurt, and man, it was a powerful message. It was a powerful message, but as he got toward the end of the message, he referenced the passage that I'm going to read in a few moments, and he pointed out something about one of the ingredients in the anointing oil. And as soon as he did it, my spirit jumped up and down and went, whoa, we can preach there for a while. And, uh, and so uh, as I came home, I'm preaching a way y'all have not seen me preach in a long time. I actually have notes. Um, granted, that's just half a page, but I've got notes. Um, and, and and I don't know that I'll actually look at them, but I've got them. I told somebody, we're going to talk about, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the ingredients of the anointing oil. Uh, now, I am not uh, a scientist, and, and um, uh, here's what I can tell you. I think I said it this morning. Me and Google can get somebody in trouble. And so uh, I, I've spent some time on Google, and uh, and, and uh, I believe that God has shown me something. I want you to open your Bibles with me in Exodus chapter 30. Amen. Exodus chapter 30. We're just going to look at a few verses, verse 22 through 25. And I, tonight I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And this is what the Bible says. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Collect choice spices, 12 and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, 
six and a quarter pound of fragrant calamus and 12 and a half pounds of cassia, cassia, whatever that one is, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make the holy anointing oil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your victory and for your peace. And Lord, I pray that you would just reach down and send me knowledge beyond my ability. Lord, give me wisdom beyond what I know. And Lord, allow me to speak from your heart tonight. Allow me to reach down into our into the spirit of what you've laid into my heart. Let me communicate it in a way that they can carry it and run with it. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for your power, for your anointing, and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. It's not many times that I get behind the pulpit to preach that I do so timidly, that I do so uh, with a little bit of of trepidation. Uh, But I do that tonight because I feel like I may be a little above my my ability tonight and what God has laid on me to share. I, I, I would love... To be a few other people, I know I had a worship pastor and a youth pastor one time who was a science teacher, and I would love to have him here to help me out tonight. Uh, but as I begin to hear and read this passage, I know I've read this before. I know I've looked at this before. But as much as I've talked about anointing, as much as I've talked about about uh, 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 anointing and, and, and being covered with anointing, I don't know that I have ever looked at the ingredients of the anointing oil. Now, I, I don't know that I'm going to shake the house tonight. I don't know that I'm going to run the aisles tonight. But my desire and my hope is that I can tell you something tonight. And and, and uh, whatever I'm able to tell you tonight is going to come from him and the anointing because it's beyond my ability to understand. But as I began to look at this passage of Scripture, I began to see that God laid out specific ingredients to the anointing oil. And And so as I thought about that and as I read this and as I've pondered this, I began to think about the idea that God has placed specific things inside of our anointing. That our anointing comes from a variety of different areas. And I believe that God wants tonight for us to understand that our anointing is not as clean and simple as we think it is. Now, I know I preach a sermon, and, and I've preached it often, and I've preached it in a lot of places, and the whole last point of that sermon is that the anointing is messy, and, and, and we've talked about how that the anointing gets messy, but I got news for you. I believe that inside the anointing itself, there are some things that we don't think about, 
And because we don't think about them being part of the anointing, when we see them outside of the coming together, the blending together that becomes our anointing, we think that we don't want them. Now, it's not really part of my sermon, but it sort of ties in a little bit, and I'll probably talk about it maybe again here in a minute. But I don't know how many of you paid attention to the Just a Minute video this morning and tonight, but there's one line in that video that about knocked me and Sister Ann out in the floor before church started this morning. I'm walking by her when he said it, and I heard it, and the same time I heard it, I about spun around on a dime, and she's going, whoa, because... Dr. Hill says this, he says, some battles that you face, you are not meant to conquer. You're only meant to survive. Ooh, come on now. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we've got to understand that there are things placed in our life to create the mix that we need to show the anointing that we have. There are things that we go through in our life that aren't all about the praise and worship. It's not all about the running the aisles. It's not all about the shout. But there are attitudes and actions and things that God has placed in our path that we have to endure, that we have to walk through, that we have to conquer through so that our anointing will be complete. The first thing that I see it says, he says take 12 and a half pounds of myrrh. 12 and a half pounds of myrrh. Now let me tell you a little bit about myrrh. Myrrh, the way I understand it, is a bitter herb. It is bitter. As a matter of fact, the myrrh plant itself, the way I understand it and the research that I, the little bit of research I was able to do said that it is covered in sort of a thorny, spiny looking ball and, and it can be painful. Myrrh, we, when we think of myrrh, we think of the Christmas story when the three wise men come bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we know in that story that the gold they brought because he was a king and the king deserves myrrh. Uh, the king deserves gold. The frankincense they brought because it was about him being the priest and it, it was the oil of priesthood. But the myrrh they brought as an anointing, a perfume, for his burial. So myrrh is a, as I wrote on my note paper up there, a death perfume. It is a perfume designed to cover the stench of death. It is a perf it is a herb that is bitter in taste. Twice the amount of most of the other oils and herbs in the anointing oil is bitter. It's designed to cover the smell of death. Now, as I did a little research on myrrh, I found out there's a few other things. It says in pharmacy, myrrh is used as an antiseptic in mouthwashes, gargles, toothpaste. It is also used in some liniments and healing salves and may be applied to abrasions and other minor skin ailments. Myrrh is used as an analegic, yeah, that word, for toothaches and can be used as a liniment for bruises, aches, and sprains. This myrrh 
covers bad breath. It covers death. It might help a little with minor injuries, but it's a cover. Can I tell you something? For your anointing to be complete, there has to be some things that are covered up in your life. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. I'm not saying that we cover it up, but God covers it up. See, the sin, the hurt, the stink in our life has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's been covered by the blood of the Savior, Jesus Christ. There is some stuff in my life that if the odor from some of the things that I've done in my life were to come out, if some of my past sin, some of the things that have been dead to me, remember, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. Now I know that the old me is dead. And without some myrrh to cover the stench of the old me, my anointing would be useless. My anointing would have no fire. My anointing could not be approached. I got news for you. I want some myrrh in my anointing. I want some bitter in my anointing. I want some stuff that's going to hide my nasty breath. Going to hide the things that I've said. The words that I've used. I want some anointing in my life that's going to hide the things that have died in my life. The sin that has died in my life no longer controls what people think of me. The sin that has died in my life no longer controls how people view me. When they look at me, they don't see what I used to be, but it has been covered over by the blood of Jesus. And the myrrh of my anointing has created a gentle smell a gentle thing to cover the wickedness that I used to be. Let me tell you something, church. You know what's wrong with some of us? We don't want the myrrh. We don't want the myrrh. We, we, we want the other stuff. But we don't want the myrrh. And you know what happens when you don't have the myrrh? The stench of your past keeps people from getting close enough to be touched by the anointing of your present. The stench of where you used to be makes what you have now meaningless. But when we say, God, it's okay. It's okay for you to put some bitter stuff in my life. It's okay for you to come in and bless me and cover me and heal me and let the dead me be covered by your mercy and by your grace. Now I have the ability for the anointing that you put in me. I'm having the ability of you to get close enough. I have the ability. Even though I used to breathe words and breathe phrases that wasn't important, now I've got an anointing enough that I can get close. And it won't hurt nothing. Aren't y'all glad I picked on her? I figured there ain't nobody else in this room I can get that close to. It, it, it purifies us. Your anointing will purify you. Your anointing will purify you. It will cover the junk in your life. But the anointing oil, the holy anointing oil, was not just death perfume. Oh, now, if it was just myrrh, it's no longer anointing. 
it's just covering. But God says, there's more things I want you to do than that. He goes on then and he says, I want you to take six and a half, or six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon. Fragrant cinnamon. Oh, now let me tell you a little bit about cinnamon. It don't take much, but cinnamon's hot. Can I tell you a little story about cinnamon? When I was in, when I was in about the seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade, it became popular among my group of friends to have cinnamon toothpicks. And we made our own cinnamon toothpicks. Now, if you don't know how to make a cinnamon toothpick, let me tell you. You go to the store and you get you a little jar of cinnamon extract. And you get you some toothpicks and you just fill that jar up with toothpicks. And then you reach in there very carefully and pull the toothpick out. And you can suck on that toothpick half the day. It'll burn the daylights out of your mouth. But you know what happens when you're not careful and you're a little awkward like most 7th and 8th graders are? You go to pull that cin- those toothpicks out of that cinnamon and it spills on your hand. And that burns. And then, <laughs> and then, oh, and, oh, and pretty soon everything you touch sets on fire. I was at my grandmother's for the summer, and I went and got me a thing of cinnamon extract, and I made me some cinnamon toothpicks. And the first one was great, but then I spilt that cinnamon oil. Mm, my 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 everything i everything i knew burnt I, my eyes burnt my nose burnt my ears burnt i was so hot i, I was like ah! i remember being almost in tears because it hurt it was painful mm. can i tell you there's something in your anointing that hurt it was painful We need to quit telling God we don't want any pain because sometimes it's from the root of your pain that God has the anointing for you to reach somebody else. It's from the root of your pain. It it hurt and it spreads. Have you ever had that hurt that it felt like everything else you touch hurt like that hurt? That's how cinnamon does. It hurts everything you get to. But there is a blessing to that hurt. There is a healing. They tell me that it's traditionally been used, as many of these have, as as healing for digestive issues. Matter of fact, I was telling Beth, as I was doing looking at this stuff, I found out I might need to start doing me some cinnamon toothpicks again. Because they say that they believe that cinnamon will lower your blood sugar. I guess it just gets in there and burns the sugar out of it. I I don't know. So if I start walking around with cinnamon toothpicks, you might want to ask me if I spilt any before you shake my hand. But but there there is a healing quality to your pain. Mm -hmm. Did anybody hear that? 
there is a healing quality to your pain. Our problem is we say we want anointing, we say we want victory, but we don't want any pain. God says sometimes I got to let a little pain come in. Sometimes it's going to rain on the just and on the unjust. But if you'll hold on, if you'll wait, I'm going to take your pain and make it your blessing. I'm going to take what hurts you and make it what you use to help others. We begin to put prayer chains out for my mother-in-law. And we begin to ask people to pray. But we called one person and said, we need you to pray because they found a second bout of breast cancer. And when we called this person, they didn't say, oh, we'll pray. Oh, I've got it. They begin to weep. They begin to say, what can I do? How can I help? I'm going to pray, but what else can I do? Does she need to talk to somebody? And tears are flowing from the pain in Amy's life. Because she went through something that hurt. It was scary. But from the pain. God took that pain and said, now let me show you what my anointing does with your pain. My anointing allows you to reach out with more compassion and more desire. It allows you to understand. I got news for you. I don't care what caused your pain. I don't care where the fire was in your life. God wants to use it as a healing agent. He wants to use it to bring victory, to bring power. See, that's what anointing is about. So now we've covered, we've let the blood cover, and we've got that cover for all that junk that used to be us. And now we've added to that a little bit of pain. Mm. This is uncomfortable. But this uncomfortable makes me compassionate. Then he says, do six and a quarter pounds. A calamus. Six and a quarter pounds of calamus. Now, what is calamus? Calamus, they tell me, is one of the most ancient ingredients in Chinese and Indian cultures. And and, and it's used. Here's what Wikipedia says. Calamus has been an item of trade in many cultures for centuries. It has been used medically for a wide variety of ailments, such as gastrointestinal disease. Oh, I'll get there in a minute. Don't worry, I'm going to get there. And treating pain. And its aroma makes calamus essential oil valued in in the perfume industry. The essence from the rhizomes is used as flavor for food, alcoholic beverages, and bitters in Europe. What is calamus in the anointing? Calamus in the anointing 
is that spice that treats the pain. Did you hear this? The cinnamon may have brought some pain, but the calamus treats the pain. The, 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 the myrrh may cover the stench of the stuff, but the calamus heals the gastrointestinal line that makes the stuff. I'll let y'all figure that out. Let me tell you something. See, God said, I'm not just going to make your anointing about your pain. I'm not just going to make it. I'm going to put something in your anointing that heals it. The calamus in your anointing is the Holy Spirit. It heals our pain. It heals our hurts. It heals our pain. There is something that brings flavor. Do you hear what it says? It brings flavor to foods and drinks. Mm. Seems like I remember somewhere in the Bible where it says, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, but how good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Oh, what he's saying is, you've got an anointing in your life to bring flavor to this world. There is something in you that is designed to give flavor to everybody around you. That healing quality, that heals on the outside, it heals on the inside. That healing quality also has adds to that smell-good nature. But most importantly, it's going to bring a flavor about things that's going to make everything look and taste different. When we start walking... Walking under the anointing of Jesus Christ, we start walking under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, we begin to realize that we don't taste like we used to taste. Oh, that's why David could write, oh, taste and see that he is good. I've got news for you. That taste comes from the anointing of Jesus Christ in our life. We want the flavor. We want the healing. We want the calamus. But the calamus works best mixed together. It works best. It can complete its work in our anointing. When we can walk up and say, oh, I felt the pain of cancer but I can now stand in the victory of being cancer-free. I know what it's like for them to say you're not going to make it, but I stand here still alive and kicking. You see, when all of a sudden we begin to realize that our calamus is what overcomes our cinnamon, our cinnamon prepares us, but our calamus gives us a testimony. When we understand that our anointing that walks us through the battle is the anointing that we can glorify, and it's with that that we bring flavor. Pastor, what do you mean we bring flavor? How, How are you talking about flavor? I'm talking about something most of you don't do. Witnessing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I ask this every once in a while when I get to talk about witnessing. Just want you to look in your heart. When was the last time you witnessed to somebody? Now tell me how Christian you are. Let me tell you something. You know how to witness? 
Can I tell you, a bunch of us make mistakes. A bunch, bunch of us, we grab a Bible. And we start going, bah, 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 Can I tell you something about an unbeliever? An unbeliever doesn't believe. That means that an unbeliever doesn't believe the Bible. If the only witness you have is the Bible says, now I believe in the Bible says, that works. I understand the Bible is truth. But an unbeliever doesn't believe truth. An unbeliever doesn't believe the truth of the Word of God. But you know what an unbeliever can't deny? Your story. They, they can say, well, I don't know if Jesus really walked the earth or not, but they know you walked the earth. They, they, they can say, well, I don't know if, if God still does miracles, but when it happens to you, they know. Because they can't deny. They can tell you, I don't know if I believe in the Bible, but they can't look at you and say, I don't think God did that for you. Because you experienced it. You saw it. You felt it. That's what flavor is. That, that, that's what that calmness is in our anointing. It's that this is what God's done for me. This is how God's touched me. I got to hurry. I didn't expect to get this riled up. I'm missing. I'm missing a thing. So pretend I have a slide up there that says Cassia. Cassia. Thank you. It's supposed to be there, but it's not there. That's okay. Kasha, you know what that is? It is a super strong cinnamon. It is a powerful. Do you hear what God just did in the anointing? Oh, we're going to cover your death. Then we're going to give you some pain. Then we're going to give you victory. I want you to look at this. We got 12 and a half pounds. We got 12 and a half pounds of myrrh. Six and a quarter pounds of cinnamon. Six and a quarter pounds of calamus. And then back to 12 and a half pounds of cassia. Did I get it right? So now we got a lot of this stuff again. Here's what I researched on this. Due to a blood-thinning component com- contained in the corium, which is part of Cassa, or Cassia, thank you, which could dam- damage the liver if consumed in large amounts. European health agencies have warned against consuming high amounts of Cassia. And I still didn't get it right or well. Other bioactive compounds found in the bark, powder, and essential oils oils of this. In high doses, these substances can also be toxic for humans. 12 pounds. I think I would call that a high dose. 12 and a half pounds will kill a man. Why would God put 12 and a half pounds of something that could kill you in the anointing? 
because he never wanted you to be alive in the first place. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives through me. See, when your anointing comes, the old man goes. When your anointing comes, it is wiped away. It is removed from the picture. And now we walk as a new creation, not made by human hands, not made by human processes, but now we have not been born of the flesh and not been born of water, but we have been born of the Spirit. When the anointing comes in our life, the the the, the dead, the, the old us dies and we're no longer there. I got news for you. We don't like Casa. Thank you for fixing that. Ooh. <laughs> Food for caterpillars. What do caterpillars do? Die and become butterflies. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When we Let God build our anointing. He will build our death into our anointing. He will build the death of the wicked us, the death of the poor us, the death of the ugly us into our anointing so that we can spread our wings with the beauty of a butterfly so that we can walk as a new creation. I got news for you. I don't want an anointing that doesn't have the power to kill the junk and the sin in my life. In small doses. And I got to hit this. In small doses, Kasha, yeah, I'll never get it. Now, don't worry about it. I'll never get it. Kasha, Calium, and Cinnamon all have one common thing that they do, and it's gastro, gastro, our guts. They help our guts gastrointestinal every one of them help us in our guts oh i just preached a couple of weeks ago where jesus looked at the pharisees and said you're like whitewashed tombs you clean on the outside but inside there's dead men's bones don't you think it's amazing that god in his anointing puts together a group of a group of oils that doesn't clean us on the outside but it's designed to clean us from the inside out let me tell you something church if you're going to talk about anointing you got to understand what that anointing is That anointing, that anointing that kills the sin, that covers the stench of the past, that anointing that has some pain, that anointing that heals the the hurt, that anointing that, 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 that cleanses us on the inside out. But that's not the end of the anointing. That's not the end of what God laid out in his word. Wake up. The next thing on there is olive oil. The next thing on there is olive oil. He says that I'm going to give you, I want you to put a gallon of olive oil. Now, that's not 12 and a half pounds. Some of my, my scientists can tell me, if I remember right, a gallon normally weighs about, about how many pounds? About eight pounds. I was thinking about five, so five to eight pounds. 
And, and, and so, so we're not at the same level as some of these other things. But what is the olive oil? Here's what olive oil is. And I know all oils are pressed. But the olive oil was the pressing of what they thought of as riches. You read the Old Testament. How did they determine rich? Well, it was how many cattle you own, how many donkeys you own, how many olive vineyards you own. Let me tell you something. They took what was wealth and they crushed it. When we think of olive oil, we think of that under pressure. It's crushed. But the olive oil is also what they would use. They would mix that with oil and wine, and they would pour it over the wounds of the sheep. And it would bring healing. It's the healing bond. It is the bond that holds everything together. I am now a home chef. And I am a home chef. I'm not a home cook. I'm a home chef. And and they send me everything in the box but olive oil. They said, you got to buy your own olive oil. And, man, I go through olive oil like it's candy. The only thing I don't measure out is the olive oil. That's about two teaspoons. I, I, I like olive oil. I like to cook with olive oil. It gives a different flavor. It gives a different taste. It does everything that we've talked about, but it becomes a consistency that we hold on to. When I make a, a dressing, most of the time the base of that dressing is olive oil. Now, he says, I want you to take all these other things, and then I want you to take the oil that you know. The oil that you're familiar with. And I want you to put a gallon of that in there. Pastor, where are you going with olive oil? Let me tell you something. Sometimes in your anointing, there is a gallon of the stuff you know. The taste you're familiar with. You know how to work with it. You know what to do with it. You know how to react to it. God doesn't give you an anointing that you can't understand. So he gives you an anointing that has you in it. When we walk under the anointing of God, don't think that just because we're walking as a new creation, just because all the old junk is covered and dead, and we've been through pain and we've been through healing, don't think that it's no longer us. It's still me. I was a loud kid. I know that shocked some of you. I talked a lot. I talked so much that when I was a kid in the 70s and everybody was getting CB radios, my mom and dad and grandparents all got CB radios. So we all had to have CB handles. They gave me my CB handle. It was rattle mouth. Because I talked a lot. You know, a funny thing, when God came into my life and he poured his anointing on my life, he didn't take that away. I still a rattle mouth. I just rattle for a different cause now. It's still me. It's still me. It's still who God made me. In your anointing will be you. 
There are some people in the church I would never call names. I would never point them out. But there are some people in the church that sometimes they just want to reach out and slap somebody. That's just in there. I would never say anybody that it would be like. But uh, uh, just want to slap people. Can I tell you something? You know what's going to happen in her anointing? She's going to slap some people. You don't think I'm telling the truth? Have you ever heard her preach? She's going to slap you. Here in a couple of weeks, she's going to get in the pulpit. She's going to slap you. That, that there are people that, that, that have different personalities. There are quiet people. But in their anointing, they still work in the same nature. Let me tell you something, church. You know why we mess up the anointing of God in our life more times than not? It's because we feel, we feel the myrrh, and we feel the cinnamon, and we feel the calamus, and we feel the, the cassa, cash, cassia, and, and, and we feel those things. But we see, oh, I won't be like Pastor Tommy. And we try to work our anointing to be like somebody else. The first thing I tell every young minister that I work with, don't try to be me. I said it this morning. If you're not who God called you to be, you rob the world of what God called you to do. I spent, I've been, I've been preaching the gospel for 30 Two years. In case you want to do the math, I started preaching at six months. Uh, and, um, okay, maybe I was a little older than that. I've been preaching for 32 years. And I promise you, the first 10 years I wasted. I started preaching at 17 years old, and I was about 28 when I finally learned that I needed to be me. First part of my ministry, I wanted to be uh, T.L. Lowry. Bless God in the house. Mm, Man, T.L. Lowry was a, he was a, a uh, master preacher, and boy, he, he knew how to lay hands on people. Boy, I like that laying hands, and bless God. And I always wondered how he got such a deep, raspy voice. Now I've been preaching 32 years, and I understand how he got a raspy voice. He was one of my heroes. I had a chance to call him and talk on the phone with him. And he answered the phone, and I called, and I thought it was his office. It was his cell phone. He says, hello. I was like, oh, Lord, it's God. (laughs) What can I do for you today? And I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I wanted to be T.L. Lowry. You know what? I wasn't a very good T.L. Lowry. (laughs) Then I wanted to be Steve Brock. Now, some of you know Steve Brock because he hangs out with Benny Hinn a lot. Steve Brock can sing. Oh, my word, that man can sing. But then he can turn around the next second and he can preach circles. Man, that man can preach. 
And I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And so I got booked up in a bunch of revivals, and I went and bought me a bunch of soundtracks. And I'd go in, and I would sing three or four songs, and then I'd start preaching. And by the end of the week, I was like, I was praying one day, this is no joke, I was praying one day after about three months of doing that, I was like, God, you got to heal my voice or do something, I don't know what to do, I'm trying to do your work and I just can't talk and I can't do anything. And the Holy Spirit, being all loving and compassionate, spoke to me and said, son, you better decide if you're going to be a singer or a preacher. And I was like, oh got worse because then the next thing he said was if you want my opinion I'd be a preacher so I, <laughs> let me tell you something I couldn't be Steve Brock I couldn't be T.L. Lowry then I wound up getting a job with Brian Cutshaw Brian Cutshaw oh man now you talk about a preacher you talk about a teacher um, uh, oh man he's smart he's and and I have this natural thing that I look just a little like Brian Cutshaw. Not a lot, but we have a similar build. We have dark hair. I'm on staff with him. I'm learning all of his sayings. I'm learning all of his tricks. When he would preach back in those days, he would hand out notes, and they would have blanks on them so that as you were listening, you could fill in the blanks of his sermon. And Oh, man, when I got to preach the adults, guess what? They had notes just like when Pastor preached. He liked to wear vests. I started wearing vests. You know why we wear vests? I don't wear them anymore, but you know why we did? Because a vest will hide 10 pounds if you wear it right. <laughs> Man, I, I looked like him. I sounded like him. I talked like him. I walked like him. Only difference was he got to stay at the church and I got fired. Now, they never said, they never said this. They, they probably didn't even realize it. But I'm going to tell you what happened. They got to a place in the budget with a $2.5 million building program and 14 people trying to sue the church because we had bought a building that had renters in it that we had been told the renters' leases were all up. And instead, they had actually just renewed all their leases. And so now they were all suing us because we were trying to kick them out of the building. So for about a year, that church was landlord to two different bars. Now, that's a pretty interesting thing. And, 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 and so, so they're going through all this. They had to cut the budget. Guess where they started? Now, they don't understand this. They probably never thought about this. But i tell you what God showed me later. It was easy to cut me out of the budget because all I was was a copy of what they had the original of. If I'd have been me... If I'd have been who I was, who God intended me to be, when they come to me on that list of budgets, they may have said, you, man, we can't give up what he brings. We can't give up what he does. But I didn't give them that option. When they looked at me, they go, well, we got pastor. We don't need him. And I was gone. Tell you something, that's what woke me up. Our problem is, we want an anointing, but too many of us want the anointing that Brother Mark has. Or we want the anointing that, that sister, man, I wish I had the anointing Sister Diane had. My word, if I could play the piano like her. Oh, you fake it well, that's all. I, 
I, I, I got news for you. Not only she, she can play anything. I, I, I just, man, I, I'd love it, man. I'd be like. Let me tell you something. I can't have her anointing. I can't have Mark's anointing. I can't have Marilyn's anointing. I can't even have Beth's anointing. Oh, there are times I wish I had Sarah's anointing. I even tried grabbing a weave one time. It didn't help me now. Boy, I'm going to be the target of the next slap, I have a feeling. But... Let me tell you something. I can't can't walk in their anointings. But thank God I've got part of this anointing. It's me. And I got one more point, and then then I'm going to close. I'm sorry. It's Sunday night. Who cares? It says, like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make holy anointing oil. Now that is the direct quote from Genesis 30, chapter 25. It says, like a skilled incense maker, blend these ingredients to make holy anointing oil. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say find a skilled incense maker. It says like a skilled incense maker. First time I read it, I misread it. I thought it meant go get somebody that can put these together the right way. But it says like a skilled incense maker. Blend these ingredients together to make a holy anointing oil. It means make it yourself it's the home chef of anointing it gave you a step-by-step instruction and then it says blend it together put together the things that i have put in your life Put together the things that I have put in your life. I have put in your life the covering of the blood of Christ that hides the sin. It's no longer visible. What does Christ do with our sin? He casts it as far as the east is from the west. He's already put the myrrh in there. Take the cinnamon that hurts a little bit, the pains in your life. It's You've already been through. Mix that in. Grab a hold of the callum that is the healing balm, the one that made it all feel better. Mix that in there. Grab the other one and put that in there. It may feel like it's going to kill you, but it's going to be okay because it's a part of what I place in your life. And then put yourself in the anointing and mix it together. And when you mix it together, it doesn't become anointing oil. It becomes a holy anointing oil. I got news for you. When we let God take our life and mix it together it becomes a holy anointed life quit waiting for somebody else to concoct your anointing
You know, there's a reason why I'm not doing an anointing service this year. I told somebody earlier today, it's really easy to take something good and make it a tradition. And then we start living anointing service to anointing service. Oh, oh, will you anoint me again? Will, will you anoint me again? Let God take your life. I don't carry anointing oil in my pocket. A lot of pastors do. A lot of pastors carry a vial of oil in their pocket. I don't. For a number of years, I was very adamant about it that I didn't by choice. Now I probably just don't do it because I haven't ever got when got one. But for years I was adamant. And this is what I would tell people. I didn't even understand it. This is what I tell people. The anointing's in me. I don't need a jar. The anointing's in me. Now, that sounds weird for somebody who's become known for anointing people. But the anointing isn't in an oil. It's not in a mixture. It's not in something. It's in me. But even greater, the anointing is in you. And it's in you, and it's in you, and it's in you. When we understand that God didn't set a preacher up there to lay hands on you and make you anointed. But instead, he said, like a skilled incense maker, blend together what I've put in your life and make it a holy anointing. Like a great preacher that I've heard let you hear, grab your life and mix it with the word of God and make it a holy. Like that great healing preacher that you've watched on TV and you've waited in line to go see. Understand that you've got the same power if you'll just let it blend together. But in the modern age, instead of letting, letting ourselves build and mix and blend the ingredients to make our lives holy, we've created spiritual stars and we think without their touch, we can't do it. And we're this close, folks, of walking and crossing the line and making godly men and women idols. I'm not telling you, I'm telling you, it's not their fault, it's ours. It's not their sin, it's our sin. It's not that they're doing something wrong, it's that we're doing something wrong. I'm telling you, we need to blend these things together. Blend the pain, blend the hurt, blend the healing, blend the victory, blend yourself. And when you do, you become a holy, anointing life. Holy oil that changes people's hearts. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Heavenly Father. Lord, I come to you right now. And Lord, I just want you to direct my steps. Direct the path that you want me to go. Let me walk. and Let me do.
I'm going to open up these altars. And I'm going to ask everybody that can to find a place in these altars around this front, these front chairs. I, I do ask you to move. Pastor, why are you always wanting us to move? Because moving is action. And too many times we think we can wait for God to come and we don't have to have an action. You need an action. So I want you to at least move. And then I want you to get to a place and I want you to begin to say, God, mix a holy anointing into my life. Put it together. Show me what I need to do. Mix the anointing in your life. Will you come to the altar at this point, at this time?